Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Rick Thomas, and we're doing Life Over Coffee. I had someone write in, and they were talking about how the person that they have married and the person that they are they were dating, that there are two radically different people. Now, this was a wife writing in, and, and it was a big surprise to her to realize that her husband is something that she just did not even consider now that they are married because the dating relationship was so different. I'm going to share with you in just a moment what she wrote in and asked me, and then I want to talk through it just a little bit with you. I have titled this Dating the Artificial Season That Doesn't Count. Now, that is a cynical title, and what I mean by it is that it doesn't count if the expectation is that you're going to get a full, complete, exhaustive data dump on the person that you are marrying so that there will be zero surprises after you are married. That will never happen. And so I titled it Dating, the Artificial Season That Doesn't Count. And again, you could add if your expectation is to have an exhaustive understanding of this person that you are about to marry. Now, this is an important idea, concept for all of us because none of us None of us are married to the person that we are dating to use that kind of language. And I'm not even saying that in a bad thing. I mean, it could be a bad thing, obviously. And this lady who wrote in is saying, no, Rick, this really is a bad thing. And that is the darker side of this. But the positive side is, is that the person that you are dating and the person that you're married to now, you want that person to change. You want that person to be different. I mean, imagine being married to a person who never, ever changes. That just flies in the face of progressive sanctification. And so we should be always evolving, always transforming. And so there are two ditches here that I think I'm, that I'm presenting to you. In one ditch, you don't want to marry the person who never, ever changes. That would be bad. But then in the other ditch, the more nefarious ditch would be the individual who has sold you a bill of goods, that they presented themselves radically different from who they are today in the covenant relationship. And that is sad. That is really sad. And so I trust that that is not your situation. But if it is, I I want you to know that you'll you'll get a little bit of help here uh, through what I'm sharing with, uh, with you. Uh, through this article, the podcast, the video. But if you do want to do a deeper dive into uh, our ministry and get more substantial help, you're welcome to do that. In fact, I'll just give you three words. If you just type any one of these words into our search box, you will find over 100 articles under each one of these three words. One of them would be marriage. And so if you want to do a deeper study on marriage, just type the word marriage in the search box of our website, and you'll have more content than you will be able to consume over the next six months. This could be a wonderful time uh, for your marriage, and all you have to do is type one word in our search box, and that is marriage. You could also type the word relationship, and that'll do a similar thing, more than 100 articles. And then you could type the word repentance or the word change, how to change, and you'll get a, another bucket load of articles, and they're all free to you. 
It is our gift to you to provide these resources uh, to help you because there's no one article, podcast, video that will give you an exhaustive treatment of the trouble that we find ourselves in. And sometimes our trouble needs more time and care. In fact, I think most of the time it, it does. And so I, I want you to, one, not think that this is the exhaustive word on a marriage that is different from the dating season. This is not the exhaustive treatment of that. But two, I want you to know that if you want to spend weeks and months studying, you can do that freely because that's what our ministry does. Our resources are free to you. Now, I do want to let you know that we do have a, a supporting aspect of our ministry, and these are our private forums. Uh, we have private forums for people who financially support our ministry, and we, we, we built these forums out, and we give them to our supporting members one way to, to honor them and to say thank you. Uh, because you support, we want to give you a little extra. That makes sense. Uh, but also there, there are some people that say, hey, I would like some of your guidance, some of your coaching, some of your consulting, some of your discipleship care from your team, Rick. And I'm willing to give you $10 a month or, or whatever and, and so that I could just have my own thread. There's many people on our forums who have their own unique thread, and they come here as often as they want to. There's not a limitation on how many questions they can ask or how, many, how often they can come to us. They're supporting members. And so they pay so much a month or so much a year, and they can come uh, to their thread, and then they can ask whatever question that they have pertaining to life and godliness. Now, for some of you, maybe that will be an interest to you, but I know that that is not feasible for everyone, and so if you're not able to, please don't. I mean, just absolutely don't. Uh, but I do want you to know about the free stuff. I, I want you to know that you can search our site and you can find the help uh, that you need. So you can take advantage of either offer everything in our store and our sanctification center in a read, watch, listen format. And then for some, you can uh, get a supporting membership and we would be glad to interact with you more in an interactive way as we talk to each other uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Several people have done that already today. All right, so I titled this Dating the Artificial Season That Doesn't Count, and I want to share with you what the lady wrote in uh, to me. She said, quote, he was nothing like this when we were dating. He would send me little notes, hold the car door open, and be thoughtful about almost everything. I'm not sure I exist in his world today, except when he wants sex. I seem not to matter anymore. He's not the man I married. And, and she starts wrapping this up by asking a few questions. One, are you saying that dating and marriage are different realities? What I thought was what I thought I was getting, but what I got are two different people. What's the point of dating? And she finishes with, how can we fix our marriage? And I've already answered that. If both people are serious about working on their marriage, let's work through this just for a little bit and then jump into our big box store, our sanctification center. And you could type in marriage or relationship or repentance or maybe some other phrase that's on your mind, something that would help you. Uh, there was a lady, I think her name was Skylar, maybe, that was on one of our social media platforms. She read one of our articles today and said, I struggle with fear of men. And so we 
gave her another article, and she is working through it. And so uh, you can type whatever phrase that you have in our search box, and you will find a lot of help there. And so please take advantage of it. So we have a lady here uh, who went through a dating season. I don't know how long. And then they tied the knot. They got into marriage, and now the knot just seems very binding and frustrating because the person that she is tied to is not the person that she thought that he was. I call marriage, to use another cynical euphemism or illustration, I call marriage a time when, it's when two sinners are in a box in a 24-7 context where neither can get away from each other, now that should be a joyous thing. I love to be two sinners in a box with my wife, but we get along swimmingly, and I'm very thankful for that. But sometimes two sinners in a box, meaning two sinners in a home, uh, it can really be a frustrating thing, and it can be so sad and so dark. And this is somewhat what this lady is uh, communicating to me because she hoped that when they came together in that 24-7 context that uh, it would be far different because she had expectations that were tied to specifically to the dating season. But honestly, what she shared with me, it would be a challenge to count how many times I've heard some version of her story, either from the husband or from the wife. Yes, wives too uh, can be different. In fact, wives too are different from the people that they presented themselves to be when they were dating. Again, everybody changes. And on one hand, that's a good thing. On another hand, it could be a bad thing. But it would be a severe mistake for a wife to think that what she is today is what she represented to her then boyfriend during the dating season. Now, I'm not saying that she is better or worse than he is, but wisdom and humility would suggest that common sense and a sober self-assessment when discussing these types of marriage problems need to be in play. I have called counseling sometimes a, a season of, of hand grenade tossing uh, where one spouse can be vulnerable, the other spouse is sitting there with ready to pull the pin, and then when there's a significant or enough vulnerability from their spouse, they just launch a grenade at them. Yeah, I told you so. That person was this horrible individual, etc., if two people are trying to work through relational conflict, and if one of those individuals is not humble, if one of them is not taking a sober self-assessment of who they are in actuality, then they will not be able to fix the relationship, period. You can't fix the relationship if one person is ascending, taking a self-righteous position, looking down on the other if that's what's going on, they would not be any help. So even though the wife is the one that's lodging the complaint and what I shared with you, and I'm not delegitimizing, de I'm not discrediting what she's saying, but I am saying that she will need to guard her heart against self-righteousness because when you're disappointed by somebody, when someone disappoints you, the temptation to elevate yourself above them, to be angry with them, by looking down on them, 
is really, really strong. And you may have a legitimate complaint, but you can be blindsided by unwitting self-righteousness. And this is one of the things that I would want to say to this dear lady, not in an accusational way, not in a judgmental way, but just in a way of just understanding our human tendencies is always to look down on other people, especially when other people disappoint us. And so without delegitimizing what she is saying, I, I want her to guard her heart as well so that she can enter into the restoration process with, with humility as she tries to uh, discover what is really going on and maybe bring care and maybe even bring other people into this situation so that they can repair what is broken. When a distraught spouse comes to you with this type of dilemma, I would appeal to you to begin to gently let the air out of the balloon by reminding them that their glorious season of dating did not count, pregnant pause, did not count if the intent was to discover the exhaustive actual person. If, if you define the dating season as that season where I'm going to understand this person and all of their completeness, then the dating season won't count. It will be a giant fail because it is not possible to know a person in their totality, no matter what the length of time is that you're dating this individual. We are way too complex. There are, there are too many angles involved. There's a lot of things in play. And so, even on your best day in the best possible dating relationship, you are only going to know a person in part. Sometimes I will tell a spouse in a situation like this if the conditions are, are okay in a tongue-in-cheek fashion, I will say something like this. The dating season is an artificial season where two lovers fake each other out until they get married. Now, there's an element of truth there because when you first meet uh, your dating partner, uh, you are presenting what I call your representative. We all have a representative. It is a carefully crafted uh, image of a person that we push out into the public space hoping that they will like this person because we're not so sure that they are going to like the person that we know ourselves to be. That doesn't have to be bad. I mean, there is a concept called discretion. There's a biblical category called self-control. And so we want to model discretion and self-control when we meet someone and in a dating relationship. I mean, a fool would, would reveal his entire mind all of his depravity, maybe that would be a weeding out process. It would be a weeding out process if a person had no governor on his tongue and he revealed all of himself on the first five minutes of a date. Would not recommend that, by the way. And so having discretion and self-control is a good thing, uh, but sometimes we can take that too far where we're trying to impress the person so much that we never get into the place to where we are revealing more and more of ourselves appropriately and biblically to the person that we are dating. Dating is the time when they are nice to each other, to win each other over. Again, doesn't have to be a bad thing. 
The partners are careful to keep their authentic selves under wraps until after the wedding. That could be a bad thing, depending on what they're hiding. If they date for more than a year, the true self will pop out from time to time, be seen for what it is, and quickly snap back under wraps until the marriage, when it's, when it's not possible any longer to hide a person's badness forever. That's when the two sinners are, are now in a box 24-7. Until death do they part, well, then they can't uh, they can't hide their badness forever. And, of course, this is the complaint of what the lady was writing in to me. I am not saying that dating has to be wrong, especially, this is the part that I would want dating couples to hear, if the couple is wise as they incrementally build their relational bridges to carry their unique baggage over to one another. Now, if that is the essence of the dating relationship, where they are stewarding their truth about themselves. They're not speaking too soon, too early, or speaking inappropriately. But they're leaning into the relationship, and they want to honor God, so they're not going to be completely closed off. And so they want to build the relational bridge from one to the other. And as that bridge is built, and as tr in some of the component parts of that bridge are, are trust, a, a person's relationship with Christ, a person's humility, a person's passion for Christ, a person's perspective on God's Word, a person's integrity. There's other character issues, that, uh, character traits that should come out uh, in the person's life that will substantiate that relational bridge. Perhaps you could take Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, and those nine elements, those are excellent building blocks to a relational bridge. And as that relational bridge is fortified over spending time together, then they can carry more and more of themselves over to each other, and they're building incrementally in each other's lives, carrying their unique baggage over piece by piece, biblically, appropriately. It takes wisdom and courage. Because again, nobody should reveal their entire mind upon, upon first meeting someone. And so you want to show yourself incrementally, always carefully stewarding the relationship. Now, of course, I have made a case that, you know, maybe we should just date forever. I mean, that's an advantage of the dating season in that uh, you can always let the girl go home at the end of the evening. It's like every day is a dating reboot because you don't have to live with the person 24-7. Lucia and I got along swimmingly, for the most part, uh, during our dating season. It was a wonderful, I mean, it, we did have a lot of fun. And if I had time, I would share some of the, some of the stories with you. We, we, we just had a lot of fun during the dating season. But you, you can also hear in that that the dating season is not altogether real life because the accent mark many times is on fun. And I think you should have fun. I think even in a fun context, you can learn a lot about each other. But we got along swimmingly. Uh, but but I, I know that one of the reasons that we got along so well is because I could let her out at her parents' home every day or every evening, 
and then I could go to my home or to my apartment, and then we could just have a reboot. But then after the honeymoon, things really began to change. Because after our honeymoon, I woke up the following day, uh, after the marriage, I woke up the following day after the wedding, and there she was. She was sleeping in my bed. I could not send her home. She was at home. It was our home. And through the good and through the bad, I had to live with her for the rest of our lives. And of course, if you turn the tables from her perspective, she couldn't get rid of me either. We were stuck with each other, and marriage was really, really different from our dating relationship. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I am saying it in an obvious way, a common sense way, a realistic way. It was far easier to enjoy the benefits of dating, drop her off at the end of a fantastic evening, and to return to my apartment. She goes to her place, I go to my place, and we start the next day again. Dating is convenient, but dating is not real enough for most of us because it is possible to navigate through the dating season without ever dealing with the real baggage that we all carry. And this is the problem that this lady was presenting to me. On the one hand, we selfishly and nervously hide our baggage from each other. On the other hand, immature love tempts us to be blind to the other person's baggage. And so you could have, let's say, a guy who is hiding his baggage from his girlfriend. And you can have the girlfriend who is so in love that she blinds herself intentionally to the baggage of the boyfriend. Let me share a tongue-in-cheek story of the tale of Ricky and Lucy. After our honeymoon, our dialogue could have gone something like this. Lucy says, what is that? Ricky says, what is what? Is what? Lucy says, what is that train with all of those baggage cars in tow? Ricky says, that's my baggage. I never told you about that. I thought if I told you what a knucklehead I was, you wouldn't want to marry me. The next day, Ricky says, what is that? And Lucy says, what is what? Ricky says that there is a long train in our front yard. What is that? Lucy says, oh, yeah, well, that's my baggage. I conveniently forgot to mention this when we were dating. You're not the only one in this relationship with problems. You see, in marriage, for better or worse in our vows, it means literally for better or worse. And unfortunately, there is a little hypocrisy in all of us every one of us. And in the dating, the dating season is one of the most tempting times to disguise the gap between who we are and the person that we present ourselves to be. It can be 
that artificial season that doesn't count. If the person that you're married to is nothing more than a silhouette of the person that you were dating, then you must begin by talking. Now, I, I think it would probably be close to accurate to say that every person who is serious about their marriage and every person who wants to mature in their marriage, they have come to that place in their marriage where they recognize that the differences that they are experiencing now between each other is more in full frontal view and evident, and the only way that they were going to be able to progress forward without being business partners is for them, or co-ed, is for them to begin by talking. You've got to begin communion, communicating, quanonia, talking to each other. That is the start. However, uh, for many people, there can be too much water under the bridge. And so in that case, then you must ask someone to help you to get started talking. You must bring someone in to mediate and get the conversation going. One of the things that you need to come to terms with is that your spouse in reality hasn't has not changed much. You've only got to know them better. You see, whatever we were in our dating relationship, that's what we, that's what we are. And so when we got married, what we are just became manifest. And so one of the things that you have to reconcile in this early years of marriage is that the person that you were dating and the person that you ended up marrying hasn't changed at all. In the early years of marriage, it's just that it has become more evident now that it's two sinners in a box living 24-7 with each other. You don't have the dating reboot where you can let them go at the end of the day, get a break, clear your head. But now at the end of the day, you're still together. And in the morning, you're together and you're together all the time. Now you're seeing what you could not see in the dating season. So in those early years, the person really hasn't changed at all. You just got to know them better. I've titled this dating, the artificial season that doesn't count. I want to give you a few questions for you to ponder as you work through this. The first one is, number one, the first step is acknowledging that you have changed too. And I was saying this earlier because it is essential at this point that you level the playing field. If either spouse is elevated just a smidgen higher than the other spouse, there's going to be at least a smidgen of self-righteousness and it will cause an affection and it will continue to increase, which, which will continue to complicate the marriage. You may, you may not be the biggest sinner in the room. <laughs> Maybe your spouse has, has done more uh, harm in the relationship, but you have got to guard your heart. How different are you from the person you were when you were dating your spouse? That would be a good assessment to make because you've changed too. So again, I, I do want to level the playing field. Number two, you must guard against self-righteous judgments. Your spouse could be worse than you, 
but unkindness is not the means of repentance. And what I mean by means is the the tool or the instrumentation of repentance. Unkindness is not the tool that creates repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so you want to examine your own hurt, and sometimes we might not even be that self-aware that we are murdering someone in our hearts, Uh, but the person who is receiving what you are saying, they will feel it, and so you want to guard against those self-righteous judgments because unkindness is not the means to repentance. How do you communicate the challenges in your relationship to your spouse And so this is question number two. How do you, in actuality, communicate the challenges in your relationship to your spouse, and it can't be self-righteous even in a smidgen? So question number one, how much have you have changed from the person you were when you were dating? Question number two, how do you communicate the challenges in your relationship to your spouse? Number three, what are a few things that you can change? to become a better person while modeling the person that you hope your spouse will become. And so as you address the log in your eye and begin to make whatever subtle or maybe overt changes in your own life, you want to continue to do that work. But as you're doing that work, then you you become a, a, a clearer representation of Christ, a model of Christ that they can see, hoping that even the expression or the model of Christ will bring conviction in their their hearts, so you want to model the person that you want them to become. What you don't want to do is to be angry at them and yell to them that they need to be righteous. Again, unrighteousness does not lead to righteousness, and so you want to be Christ-like, an imitation of Christ, which will give a fuller picture of the person that you want them to become. Number four, Are you more apt to focus on how different your spouse is while not regretting any miscalculations from the past? While regretting any miscalculations from the past? Let me explain what I'm asking. Sometimes you can be so focused on how things have changed that the primary thing that you're dialed in on is regret. Regret is driving your heart. Regret is dominating your thought processes, and that can happen. Uh, Some people can spend so much time looking in the rearview mirror and and the disappointment that they have experienced, that disappointment begins to grow, and regret begins to grow, and then hopelessness begins to grow. And, And if that word cloud begins to gather around your mind and begin to sink its tentacles into your heart, then you will not be in a position of strength, God's strength working through you. You'll not be in a position to be able to help your spouse change. And so I'm asking here, are you more apt to focus on how your spouse has changed, which creates a regret about your own miscalculations? I missed it. Oh, I missed it. I didn't see it. And so your spouse becomes dominant in your view and you see how different he is, which throws you into the past, and then regret begins to take over your heart. Along comes disappointment and then hopelessness. And if those things have taken your thoughts captive, well, then we have some work to do.
And then finally, number five, in what ways are you bringing your marriage to God and experiencing his help? Now, this is a different focus. There's a different sight line now. You're not looking at your spouse and growing in regret, but you're looking to God and trying to gain sovereign clarity over this. And so in what ways are you bringing your marriage to God and experiencing his help? If you're bringing your marriage to God, you should be experiencing his help at least a little bit. And then also, in what ways are you enlisting the help of others? I have titled this uh, Dating, the Artificial Season That Doesn't Count. Uh, I want you to read, watch, listen uh, to this and to benefit from it. Go inside the article, take advantage of the embedded links that are there, and then, of course, go on to our Go into our sanctification center at lifeovercoffee.com and take advantage of those resources. And if you need some starter words to put in the search box, just use the word marriage, relationship, and repentance, or any other phrase that you think would more appropriately tie in to where you are in your marriage. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.